Coming up next, Pokenet finishes their discussion on the two towers. Hey everyone, welcome, <laughs> not welcome back to Welcome It, uh, welcome back to Booking It, I'm of course your humble and eloquent host, Cooper Cobbs, and joining me today is my good friend Isaiah Radetzky, how are you doing Isaiah? Good, how are you? I'm doing great, I'm excited, it's the first time we've had the Cooper and Isaiah show. Nah, it's better not... Cooper show. Yeah, yeah, it's true, but we better not start an <laughs> everlasting feud of whether it's the Isaiah and Cooper show or the Cooper and Isaiah show. Mm. I, think, I think we're, I think we're better than that, right? Uh, maybe. Depends yeah. what you say it is. It's true. I'm just gonna say, me and Isaiah here, we're talking about the two towers. All right. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, let's have some fun banter. So Isaiah, how you doing? Doing good. I mean, glad to be back. I missed a couple recordings. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we both got back, or we both are working our respective jobs now. Isaiah's making some hard-earned cash, working for his dad, putting mm-hmm. some floors down, and I am working for the very esteemed employer, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yeah. You get free food? Yeah, uh, well, it depends, really. So, yeah, I get free food every shift, but if our, like, our, uh, they call it CEM score, it's basically how well we've been doing based on the customer, our customer review uh, survey thing above, and if our... Mm-hmm. Um, CEM scores are above 80% positive, then yes, I get free food. But if it's below 80%, then all of us, we don't get, we get 50% off. So, yeah. Dude, that's pretty cool. They get free food or at least some percentage off. Yeah. It's Chick-fil-A. It is Chick-fil-A. That's true. But with my sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, processed-free, everything-free, life-free diet, can't have much besides the grilled nuggets. But hey, grilled nuggets are nothing. You know, we, you know what else is not nothing? Book four of the two tower, or book four of Lord of the Rings. Well, technically, it's part two of book two, but you know. No, it's book two of part two of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I know. Remember, <laughs> it's we remember we have we have all the Lord of the Rings divided into six books in three parts. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Anyway, talking about the second half it's of two towers. But you know. If, in case anybody is confused. And this is also known as the Frodo and Sam book. So we spent yep. most of the... We've spent the first part of the two towers with Legolas, Gimli, Aragorn, and the men. We've got Helm's Deep. We've got uh, Saruman. We've got the Battle of Isengard. We've got the Ents. We've got Merry and Pippin. So mm-hmm. I guess you weren't on last episode. So any uh, deep inspirational thoughts on the two towers part one? Well, I mean... It's got my favorite part in it, the Battle of Helm's Deep. That's so. right. I say it's a big Helm's Deep guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I how they do it in the book isn't the best. It's still good, but I prefer, yeah. obviously, the movie because you can actually see it. But, yeah, yeah and, the Battle of Helm's Deep is amazing. Yeah, we talked about how Tolkien's not a big fan of the battles. But yeah. yeah, I mean, and Tolkien wouldn't add, you know, an elf uh, uh, surfing on a shield no, down he some wouldn't. stairs shooting some orcs. No. You know? I mean, Helm's Deep, yeah, yeah. 
but he wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, would you say that because of Helm's Deep, it's still your favorite, like, book of Lord of the Rings? Again, like, the individual book and not the two towers? Uh, yeah, I probably would. Mm-hmm. I like that battle a lot, and then just the whole thing with them, with, like, uh, Legolas, or with Aragorn, Gimli, all that. Yeah. And so what's interesting is uh, I've been watching, like we talked about off mic a little bit beforehand, I've been watching the movies again, um, non-extended mm-hmm. edition in case anybody was wondering. But um, <laughs> we, so when we, I started The Two Towers the other day, and honestly I was kind of disappointed that we, because you know, The Two Towers is broken up into, you have the first part is the men, and the second part is just Frodo and Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, then, and uh, Pippin and... Pippin and, uh, yeah, Pippin and Mary are in the first book. You're Pippin right. And Mary, but yeah. mainly it's the the men and Gimli yeah. and Legolas. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, the, the structure is it's completely separate. And the movies, they kind of overlap them, right? Yeah, Which, I noticed I mean, that too. I mean, if you're making a movie, you have to do that, honestly. You know, like, there's no way you would probably roll with this structure in a movie. But anyway, uh, what's interesting is you really don't want to be with Frodo and Sam in the movies it's kind of obvious that peter jackson wants you to be with the men i mean one of the reasons that he probably took up lord of the rings was because of helm's deep he loves the battles right (laughs) he loves everything he loves yeah he loves uh aragorn cutting off orcs orc heads and stuff like that and so he's his heart really isn't with frodo and sam but what's interesting is um in the two towers seems like tolkien much more a fan of frodo and sam than he is with the other part no matter how you know good Helm's Deep and the, the, the first part of Two Towers, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I like how it is in the book, or not, or in the book it's good too how it is, but I prefer it, like, where it goes, like, every chapter or two it swaps. I'd, yeah. That would be better, in my opinion, because, well, one of the reasons, another reason why this one is uh, the part one of book two, or book three of part two, or whatever you call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah um is my favorite because that one is more like you said like fighting or action stuff and it's not more detail where it's just them talking or on a journey right like part two is with frodo and sam or frodo sam and uh Gim- or, um, Gollum. yeah and so it's kind of interesting so obviously the structure is unique like we've talked about but do you think that tolkien did that for a reason or do you think he was just too lazy what, what do you think tolkien's reasoning was behind dividing the two towers up into two different parts really um like, like two probably different, not, not like two different books but like two different you know uh focuses focuses mm-hmm. focal points. i know what you mean yeah probably so he doesn't have to like split it up and like break yeah. it off at certain points uh like other books do where they leave you in like a cliffhanger or wondering what happens right. next he probably just wanted to keep it all in one big story so that he didn't have to worry about ending a chapter so it's not like a weird ending it's still a good ending and then it goes on to a brain like a different story completely different characters probably something okay. like that or uh so, but you think he was just kind know. of he didn't want to worry about having to alternate between the two storylines uh yeah probably that or also another thing could be is for the readers for them not to for them to remember the stuff that's happening not like just to think about the one chapter that they're reading and then forget what the story was before about Frodo and Sam and they're only thinking about yeah. Legolas and Aragorn and all that. I can see why. I agree. You're like, you know, you know, about to get on the verge of Helm's Deep and then suddenly you hear about Frodo and Sam and uh, Gollum meeting Faramir, you know. 
mm-hmm. on the other yeah. side and had to go back and forth. So I could see why he, he would have done that. Just, it is an interesting choice. Yeah, um, but for, like, a movie, since we talked about the movie a little bit, for, like, a movie, it's better to do it that way because you don't get them bored for the second half of just them traveling. Right. It, it, it is narrative, narratively, it wouldn't work for a movie. Yeah. Unless you were doing, like, part one, part two. But I think, yeah, it, it doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, also, we get the first kind of real real upfront view of Gollum here. So, do you think that Gollum is better in The Hobbit, or do you like him better in The Lord of the Rings? Um, I don't know. I think that... Well, I guess I'd like him better more in Lord of the Rings because you see him more there. Yeah, you kind of get... in The Hobbit, it's not that much. But then in The Hobbit, you also have the whole uh, Riddles in the Dark thing. Yeah, Riddles in the Dark is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Although I do... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you can go. (laughs) No, you can go. Okay. But also, in in Lord of the Rings, you get more of a kind of in-depth view of what his psychology is, or what his reasoning is, uh, how you know, in 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 the Hobbit, he's really just this creature who has a precious, and then you know he and Bilbo have the awesome game of Riddles in the Dark, which is great. Um, and in Lord of the Rings, you get more of the character development. You get more of um, Tolkien really fleshing him out um, as a real character and as a real player in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in Lord of the Rings, you actually learn like his whole backstory and all that. Right. Uh, and then, I um like you said, you get to see him more and basically just see his personality and I guess like his struggles with the precious and all that, or his precious or whatever the heck you want to call it. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's definitely a good metaphor. Uh, just for how like sometimes addictions can kind of mm-hmm. just wear on us. You know, or just, can consume you or something. Right, consume you exactly. Um, it's really just a good picture of how. Y'all is becoming obsessed with this destructive thing, and does, he doesn't care how destructive it is. It just he needs it, you know. Mm-hmm. And really, what a great, u- unique character that Tolkien came up with, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. this is. I mean, Tolkien came up with a lot of unique things, but Gollum was among his most unique and I think most well thought out. Yeah, although I do think it's funny how they capture him, like. Uh, if you watch the movie first or whatever in the movie, they actually like know he's following them. Right. Well, um, they, they do that in the and then, some too. They do, but in the movie, they actually wait for him. Like they trap him. Oh, right. And capture him. Yes. In the book, right. he's climbing down a cliff and falls, and then they it startles them and they jump on him. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, d- I just watched that scene in the movie too. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, I know we're making a lot of movie comparisons, but I'm sorry, guys. But <laughs> did you like Andy Serkis's Gollum, or have you just you just picture you probably just picture Andy Serkis's Gollum? Yeah, um, that's all I can picture. Yeah. Well, I did read the books first before I watched the movie. Right. Uh, and whenever I read the books, I pictured something like that, but mm-hmm. not exactly like that. I don't remember exactly because it was like five, six years ago. But I know it was similar to him, but not like how he is in there. Although I yeah. do like how Andy Serkis played him. Yeah, I think that all, that all the dialogue is great. And all of the mm-hmm. kind of... And even the two personalities, this, what do you call them? Slinker and Stinker. How mm-hmm. that's quite obvious in there. Yeah. It, it was really good. And, and this whole, like, however the heck he said my precious in, like, a weird, creepy voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody likes to make fun of that, but come on. Next up, we have uh, Faramir, Boromir's brother. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you kind of like the polar opposites between Boromir and Faramir? Did you, you know, did you did you see what Tolkien was kind of getting at here? Or are you just like, eh, not the character? I mean, I kind of saw it. I didn't really, like, pay attention to it, or to it that much. Uh-huh. But uh, it was just kind of, like, weird and cool to see how, like, they both, um, how he had it where, like you said, they were polar opposites. Right. Basically. Um, and that, uh, I mean, I'm not saying anything about this, like, or whatever, but I think he should have been chosen instead of Boromir for the whole thing. Right, that's kind of the whole whatever. thing. I mean, and I've yeah. been reading, you know, Return of the King, and I'm really excited to talk about Denethor and his whole relationship with Boromir and Faramir, because Denethor mm-hmm. really loved Boromir more because Boromir was like him. They were both kind of proud, they both thought the ring should be used, I guess, for Gondor and all that kind of stuff. Um, he just didn't value Faramir as much. And he's like, Faramir yeah. should have gone instead of Boromir. Like, he literally said that, you know. Mm-hmm. But Faramir, I really liked the character of Faramir this time around. I didn't remember much about what he was like. And I come in and I realize, oh, he's just a such a, like, chivalrous knight. You know, he's, yeah. he's polite, he's courteous. He, he's like, I would never have taken the ring, Frodo, even though I knew what you were doing, you know. Yeah, well, for me, whenever I came into reading this a sec or like my second or third time, I can't remember, uh, just now for the podcast, I remembered him as how it was in the movies, where he's like also wanted to take the ring and yeah, all that. And yeah, he's a jerk in the movies. Basically, like his brother. Right. Trying to take the ring and it consuming him. And then whenever I read it, I was like, wow, he's so much different. Yeah, for sure. It was shocking. Yeah. Um,. I think he's actually, we talked about a little bit, uh, I guess you went there, um, but in our Fellowship of the Ring Part 2, and then you haven't edited it yet, but Two Towers Part 1 discussion about character development. Now there's n- nothing to really separate the characters. Well, Faramir is kind of a little bit separate from all of the other characters because he has, he, in, in a way, he's more chivalrous, he's more, you know, mm-hmm. knightly and all that kind of stuff. And then We'll talk a little bit more about his, you know, character development next time in uh, Return of the King, too, as well. Yeah. For him, basically think of, like, a knight from a long time ago, like, a knight in shiny armor, all that, and all the traits of them, and that's basically him. Yeah. Like you were saying, chivalrous and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then next up, we get arguably the best spot in Lord of the Rings. And since we're kind of running, we have a lot of time, I mean, let's talk about it. So... Part I'm talking about is the scene with Shelob and Frodo and Sam and what do you call it, Sira mm-hmm. Thungul or something like that. This has always been yeah. my favorite part of Lord of the Rings. And I know you're a big Helm's Deep guy, but I think this is better. Well, I mean, it's good, in my opinion. It's not as good as Helm's Deep, but it's still really good. Yeah, so here's my thing about that. We, we, then we both agree Tolkien's great at suspense. He's great to stuff leading up to the battle right like in fellowship especially all the pat like the stuff with oh no they can't get through the pass at Karathas. oh no saruman's spies are watching them oh no Gandalf is afraid to go into moria all of that is building and building and finally the balrog comes and it's like a page and then mm-hmm. in two towers we got this entire almost half of the book leading up to helm's deep and then to like I agree. Helm's Deep is is awesome, what and whatever. But Tolkien's heart just isn't in writing Helm's Deep. It's just not as epic as it could have been. 
right? And we talked about mm-hmm. it in our Hobbit discussion as well, how this entire well, I guess it's not, it's not really the point of the book, but at the very end of the book, you know, there's this epic battle between the five armies, and it's literally five pages, and all of it is recount. It's not even five pages, even. It's like recount. Yeah, it's not even. Yeah. Later, so my point is, this this stuff with suspense and even horror almost is what Tolkien does best with Shelob and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so it just it plays more to his strength. And there's like a small skirmish. But it wasn't big, you know, in grand and stuff. But it's Frodo and Sam fighting Shelob, this darkness. It was there, like, before time, even. You know, just them fighting that. I always thought it was really cool, and it played right into Tolkien's strengths. Yeah. That scene's really good. It's definitely up there for, like, some of the best scenes. Uh, I'm also doing this, like, from movie and book, like, combining the scenes and then rating it that way. Yeah. How it is in the movies and, and the don't books. they don't they put uh, this scene into Return of the King, in the movies? Uh, yeah, in the movies it's like, uh, later on in Return of the King, like probably 30, 40 minutes in, I think. Gosh. Yeah, I know. Well, this also shocked me when I was reading this too. I'm like, wait, that's in this book? Yeah. Like I was so confused. Somebody. I mean, I haven't read the books in a while, so those movies. I'm saying probably, that. but there is so much stuff that they got to put in. Yeah. I think the only way to do it and actually make it more close and accurate to the book is to do part one and part two for each. Yeah. Basically how it is in uh, the actual book. Except maybe for Two Towers, not do it where it's the first part is like uh, right. with Aragorn and all that, and the second part is with Frodo and Sam. Mm-hmm. But yeah. also, just the, the audacity of Tolkien to leave it on a cliffhanger as mm-hmm. well. Like I remember reading it for the first time and being shocked, you know, it's one. I mean, yeah, I remember that too. You know, to, like, uh, Sam is loyal. Sam is rushing after Frodo, who we just discovered wasn't dead after all. And then the door is closed behind him, and it, everything seems so hopeless. Yeah, and then doesn't Return of the King like start like this part where it goes back to Frodo and Sam is like a chapter or two in it, like into no, the book, actually, or does it start to, right away? Part Part One of Return of the King is. Is Merry and Pippin and Legolas and Gimli oh, and, yeah, you're and right. Gondor and Rohan, and, and then, then you the have to wait an entire re- exactly <laughs> the last couple oh, the first yeah. couple chapters, yeah. And we talked about it again. People, it's obvious. I think that Tolkien, no matter how epic you think Helm's Deep is, cares more about Frodo and Sam than he does everybody else. And then imagine all the people who are reading it and really like this section with Frodo and Sam and Shelob, and then they have to wait another six months or a year, however long it was, <laughs> for Return of the King to come out. And then they're like, "Why well, have to read through?" Arguably, I think no. I think it's the worst book. Is Return of the, is book five, the first part, of Return of the King. They have to slog through that, and then finally make it to Frodo and Sam in the end, which is stupid. But I want to talk a little bit more about Shelob. So this entire Lord of the Rings discussion, we've been talking about how deep Tolkien's world is, and how he just throw things in there because he had like created a created a whole backstory for them. And he just had to put them in his story. You, you know, it's, mm-hmm. this, this whole story is all about one of the many, many storylines in Lord of the Rings. And Tolkien just used it to throw all the stuff he, about his world he could in there. And so I love the description here. Uh, uh, I'll, let me see if I can try and find it. Of Shelob. And he, she's described, and she, for those of you who don't know, Shelob is like the giant spider. or Actually, he just says he's in the form of a spider. But... 
just the fact that she's like this darkness before time. Here, let me try and find that in Isaiah. You keep yeah. everybody occupied. All right. Uh, one thing that did shock me with this whole like Shelob or giant spider or whatever is uh, that they've never mentioned it before, like in the Hobbit or anything like that. At least not that I remember, where they mentioned a giant spider or like if the um, army of Mordor had the giant spiders, you know, it probably could have helped them a lot more. You know, just having giant spiders attack. True. Besides, like in the Hobbit, at one point, whenever they get captured by them, but that's like in the Mirkwood, not right. by Mordor or anything. And what's but funny like, is, you, you would think that a character this big, you're like, like, there's been no foreshadowing of this at all. Tolkien, at the end, is like, she went into the dark to nurse her wounds, um, and then she, you know, came back to full strength. That's not part of this tale. And you're like, bruh. Like, this was, you know, one of the most <laughs> awesome scenes in the book, and this character's, like, going away. But it's just, Tolkien's world is so big that he, like, has to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely think it would have been pretty cool, though, if they would have, if Tolkien would have put more stuff about Shelob or explaining it or something like that, like at least a small backstory to it. The movies kind of do a backstory, at least to giant spiders, like in The Hobbit, or, yeah, with The Hobbit, whenever they go to that castle, that's technically not at all in the books, and they find and fight Sauron there, but they talk about how the spiders are just made by Sauron or something like that. But in the books, they don't really say anything about how they're made. So... Or, like, not how they're made or where they came from, I meant, but... Awkward silence. Okay, I found it. Okay, so this first part is... There, age-long, she had dwelt, an evil thing in spider form. Even such as once of old had lived in the land of the elves in the west. That is now... (coughs) Sorry. That is now under the sea. Such as Berend fought in the mountains of Terra and Doriath. And so came to Luthien upon the green sward amid the headlocks in the moon, in the moonlight long ago. How Shelob came there, flying from ruin, no tale tales. For out of the dark years few tales have come. But still she was there, who was before Sauron, and before the first stone of Barad-dor. She had served none but herself, drinking the blood of elves and men, bloated and groaned far with endless brooding on her feasts. Weaving webs of shadow, for all living things were her food, and her vomit darkness. But none could rival her. She loved the great, the last child of Ungoliant to trouble the unhappy world. Yeah, and that's just... And so I just love the fact that Tolkien just added this spider to his world, and then just threw him in there for kind of a plot point. And then after, you know, Frodo and Sam and um, Gollum had their battle with Shelob or whatever... And then she goes away. She, he, Tolkien's like, and that story is not part of this tale. And there's just so much to Tolkien's world that could be, everything could be part of the tale, and yet it's not. And so I just I just thought Shelob was really cool for that reason. But it's also a great scene with Frodo mm-hmm. and Sam. And Gollum yeah, well, Tolkien that. does have a lot of other books, though, that, like, explain characters. Like, I'm pretty certain there's one book that literally just talks about every character in Lord of the Rings, or thing in lord of the rings and where they're from or their yeah. history or something honestly like that. so i will read those one day and if we're still doing the podcast when i read them i will do a review yeah you and tanner can do of that. all of those books because apparently he's read them all or yes something. exactly or at least a lot of them i don't i don't i don't know i don't know he... 
All right, any final thoughts on Part 2 of The Two Towers, also known as Book 4 of Part 2 of Lord of the Rings? That's a lot of parts, but no. A lot of parts? No, I'm good. All right, let's do some donor shout-outs. I will say the donor, and then you will say whether this person is an elf or an orc. Ooh, All right. I have the power. Nana. Um, let's go with elf. And Papian Wayla. Sorry, guys, but orc. <laughs> Your grandparents. Uh, By the way, what are their names again? Uh, my grandparents, uh, Mike and uh, Sylvia. Mike and Sylvia. Mike and Sylvia, your grandparents. Um, Let's go with elves. Nice. And your parents, Mr. Mike and Miss Laura? Uh... Let's go with um <laughs> elves. <laughs> you're considering orcs and you're like, actually they control my life. <laughs> um your uncle Sebi. Orc. Your aunt and uncle, Aunt Jenny and Uncle Sam. Orc. Your cousin Moses. Orc. His sister Zara. Elf. Oh, that's <laughs> cute. Chris. Elf. And our new patron, Anna. Also an elf. Ah, that's nice. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Sorry that was a shorter episode. We'll be back, hopefully, with all four of us um, on Return of the King Part 1. Um, and please, if you can't... Oh, also you want to donate go to patreon and of course you want to donate go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash booking it the link is in the description below and if you can't donate for whatever reason maybe you don't want to i don't know why you do that but go down and rate and review us please uh, five stars obviously and also we have a movie podcast called the screening mm-hmm. and we're doing star wars right oh, now yeah. it's really awesome and Isaiah, i guess i guess you get to say it this time until next time keep on booking it